Sometimes our stories are not always easy. Um, as, as he shared, and, and that's one of the beautiful things about the Psalms, is that none of, not all the Psalms are, woohoo, life is awesome, yeah! Some of the Psalms are the opposite. Actually, life is beep, 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 dot, dot, dot. So I thank Nick for sharing because part of his sharing is not simply to say, oh, how awesome is God? I'm out of it. I'm like, woo he's still feeling some of that pressure, some of that stuff. And you might be able to relate to that. Yet in it, he says, hey, God, I'm all yours. I wonder if you can relate to that part of his story. So we continue our summer psalms and stories series now diving into a psalm. Uh, if you're a titles person, uh, you can write this down. It's trust in the silence. <clears throat> trust in the silence. bit weird, isn't it? Some of y'all are sitting there going, well, I, I know what he's doing. He's intentionally being silent, so I'm going to go with it. But there's a part of us that goes, oh, this is slightly uncomfortable. What's he going to say? What, what if I have to sneeze in the middle of the silence? Silence is uncomfortable. Don't get me wrong. Some of us enjoy it, especially if you're introverted. If you're an introvert, you love silence more than us extroverts, for example. For the extroverted person, silence is a real, real challenge. Like, I think it's a challenge for all of us, but as an extroverted person, I'll just, can I say, can I just, something? Silence, you are right, you good? Awkward, how you doing? Good weekend, yeah, anybody? Okay, silence can be a struggle. Now, you might not be extroverted and may not be able to relate with that. You might be extroverted and be able to relate with that. Simply put, though, silence can be awkward. And silence can be more awkward when it's perceived silence from God. When we're crying out to a God that we believe in, when we're crying out to a God who we know hears our prayers... Yet, it feels like he is silent. So what do we do with that silence? Today's psalm that we're going to dive into is uh, Psalm 40. And we're going to read verses 1 through 10. So you can turn on your Bibles, open them up. Uh, You note takers I know already have the title down, Trust in the Silence. Um, But as we read Psalm 40, it says this. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. 
He put a new song in my mouth, a a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders, are the wonders you have done, the things that you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Let me just read that last. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Amen. Before I unpack any further, let's just, let's just pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would open our ears, clear them completely, that we would hear your voice. Open our eyes that we would see you. That this morning, Lord, it would be your voice that we hear. It would be your presence that we experience. By your spirit, Lord, have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Trust in silence. Trust in the silence. What a scripture. It's one some of you may be familiar with, often used in those moments of, well, God picked me up and he pulled me out of the rubbish and he put me on the solid rock. But I think there's so much more that we can take from it as we journey through. The first thing I think I see is that sometimes we have to wait on God, even when in the pit. Do you see the first verse? The first verse, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. So often we jump ahead and we go to verse two. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. But pause, don't go to verse two yet. Start where it starts. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. I waited patiently for the Lord. Now, this psalm is credited to King David, and, and, it's, and, and you know, there's kind of a dispute of what moment he might be writing in. Was it when he was at war? Was it during different things? Point is, he was obviously experiencing something that was messy, dirty, horrible. He felt like he was in a pit of mire, of mud, disgustingness. He felt rubbish. And as he writes this psalm, which can be considered a poem, a writing, a a song as well. As he writes it, he starts by saying, I waited patiently. I love a definition. 
I love a definition. Patiently. Patiently is defined as in a way that shows tolerance of delays, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. Patiently is defined as, again, showing tolerance of delays, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. Based on that, I'll be honest with y'all, I don't wait patiently for anything. I'll wait. I'm happy to wait, but patiently? No. The first few minutes, I'm a bit patient. I'm calm. It's fine. After a few minutes, I'm like, no, no, no. Okay, no, seriously, why am I still waiting? What's going on? And we push and we push. And then I find myself getting annoyed. And then I find myself getting a bit anxious over why hasn't it happened yet? I've been asking this for a while. What's going on? What's going to happen? Why? Patiently goes out the window. But we see here that in the middle of his rubbish, in the middle of being stuck in rubbish, like the mire, the ugh, he waits patiently. Now, I don't know what situation you're in, but do you need to wait patiently? Do you need to to have that patience come in a little bit and just be like, Lord, I just need by your spirit some patience. And you know what's phenomenal? Because I love how God does these things. What is patience scripturally, biblically? Patience is a fruit of the spirit. And and, and so so follow me. If, If we're growing up, as we've been doing, hopefully for the last six months and beyond, but if we're growing up, the sign of us growing up, the sign of us bowing down to Jesus and letting him be our number one, the sign of us taking our faith seriously is to produce fruit. What fruit? Fruit of the Spirit. And so actually, perhaps the season of growing up that we've had to go through is a season that therefore produces patience so that we can, in the middle of our rubbish, Wait patiently. See, you don't get patience from being cool and being awesome and just being like, I got this. I can wait patient. Watch. I am the most patient person you've ever met, Adrian. Wait and see how patient I am. That is not how it works. We try but that is not how it works. And so actually, before we even get into the being lifted out of the mess, we have to recognize that we have to wait. And waiting is a challenge, patiently in particular. Anybody ever have to wait at a bus stop? (laughs) The reaction from the front, oh. See, the thing is, if if you're in a city like Cambridge, Perhaps you're only waiting 10 minutes if they're running to time. So your waiting isn't too bad. You can, you can see on the little uh, screen what time the next bus should be coming. So you go, okay, I've missed it. Rubbish. I'll wait 10 minutes, five minutes, four minutes, three minutes. 
Two minutes, seriously, it should, why isn't it here yet? Oh, it's no two, two minutes. One minute. It says it's here, but it's not here. Why? What? We are impatient, even in our waiting for a bus. But I think that sometimes we expect that waiting on God is like waiting for a bus. We can look at the little screen and go, right, he hasn't answered my prayer yet. He's still working on it. Five minutes, four minutes, three minutes. God's not like that, though. He's not a bus timetable. He's not a bus. Anybody anybody with me on that? Amen. He's not a bus? Okay. (laughs) Like, we don't just, it's not a, oh, come jump up. God's ways, his timing are beyond our understanding. And that is horrible and a pain in my butt because if I'm honest, I want to know it all. That's the truth, I do. But I also know that I can't. So I bow down to him. But we need to wait patiently. Recognize that waiting on God is not like waiting for a bus. It's not like that. And the thing is, what makes it even more challenging is that some of us will wait on God for like a real long time. And then others of us will be like, can I just tell you, I prayed about this thing and the Lord answered immediately and it was so awesome. And you guys are going to be sitting there going, flipping heck. And then what we then tend to jump to is, oh, you have a a holier connection to the Lord. It's because you were a pastor or you were a prayer warrior. No. It's because God's timing for that prayer was there and then to be answered. And perhaps I was listening at that moment in time. Perhaps he's been trying to tell me for a longer time, but I hadn't picked up on it. Because I wasn't listening. And I wasn't waiting patiently. I was doing Adrian, running around going, (laughs) So I guess the first thing we start by saying is that sometimes we have to wait on God. And the thing is that when we say, oh, wait on God, we kind of go, oh, it's, it's okay, I'll wait on God, it's all right. But, but when you're in a pit, it's more challenging. But we, we see it. We're called to it. And I can promise you, if you think that you're in a pit by yourself, you're not. Oh, You're not the only person in a pit. Nick shared that his pit might only be up to his, his knees or maybe even his ankles at times, but he's still in it. Most of us are in a pit. We just may not have the courage to share it with everyone. But sometimes we've got to wait on God, even when in the pit, patiently, without becoming annoyed or anxious. And it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's by His Spirit. And our patience and waiting comes from that fact that ultimately we trust God because we see that we need to trust the Lord even when in the pit. Verse four, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Blessed is the one who trusts the Lord. My definition person. What's it mean? What's it mean to trust? To trust, to have a firm belief in the reliability, truth, or ability of someone or something. Do you have firm belief in the reliability of God, in the truth of God, in the ability of God? Do you trust the Lord? Or do you trust the Lord on Sundays? when you're gathered with your brothers and sisters, when you're singing a song you like, when you're on the mountaintop, outside of the pit, are you trusting God then? Or are you trusting him 
also in the pit. I was reminded recently, uh, you know, social media has a lot of downsides. I'll give you a lot of downsides. But every once in a while, there's some good stuff. And one of these reels pops up, and I was reminded, there's this old school example. It's not going to work because I didn't, yeah. But anyway, there's this old school example that, uh, that says, if, if, I, if I ask you to come to the front and sit on this chair, would any of you hesitate to sit on the chair? No. You'd sit on the chair because you trust that the chair is solid. You trust that the chair won't let you fall. You trust that you can sit in a chair. But the thing is, I think that analogy has actually been wrong for a long time because you're not trusting in the chair when you sit in a chair. You're trusting in your knowledge of a chair. You're trusting in your knowledge of your experience of the chair in past. Let me, let me swap it up a little bit. If I brought up a kid's chair, a little tiny one, uh, like, like a toddler chair, and then I'd say, sit in the chair. Most of y'all would go, no. But why not? It's a chair. Don't you trust the chair? It's a solid chair. Put Benji on it. It works. Put Isaac on it. It works. You've seen the chair in action. No, you don't sit in it because you don't trust based on your knowledge of that the chair's too small for someone like me. We trust based on our knowledge, based on our experiences, based on our past. So so when we're told that we need to trust the Lord, the question then comes, what is your interaction? What is your experience of who God is? What do you know of the Lord? Because it's easy to say, I trust the Lord, I trust the chair. But actually, when you recognize that your trust is not just on the chair, it's based on who you what you know of the chair. Your trust in the Lord is based on what you know of him, who he is, what he's done. Because you see, trust comes from getting to know God. (laughs) Your trust in the Lord is going to only come from getting to know him. You know, simple way to to share this example. You will never hear a young Christian who just gave their life to Jesus, turn around and say, I trust the Lord with everything in my life because they just don't know him that well. They might turn around and say, oh, I trust the Lord with this situation because this situation they saw God act in, right? Maybe it's what led them to faith, how God interacted with them at a festival and what they did with his family. Okay, I can trust God with that. But do you trust God with everything else? With your addictions to uh, alcohol, to to, to drugs? Do you trust God with those things? Well, no, 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 because your knowledge isn't there of him. Doesn't mean that God isn't greater and bigger than our understanding. Doesn't mean that God isn't greater and bigger than a chair. But it means that actually our trust comes from our relationship with him, us understanding. And how do we come to understand the Lord? How do you get to know him better? You spend time with him. You read his word. You pray. You you spend time with others who love him, who will guide you further into relationship with him. See, this is, and this is to an extent probably where the Lord prompted where we started this morning that I was like, it's not the sermon for today. So apologies. But but the truth is, right? Like if, and and, I'm not going to look at anybody because people get really worried. So I'm going to do this. If you're a Sunday Christian that only comes to church on a Sunday and only reads your Bible on a Sunday, you only pray on a Sunday, I'm going to say you really don't know God. 
Not one of y'all specifically pointed out. But that's the truth. Don't get me wrong. Come on a Sunday. Worship on a Sunday. Read scripture with us on a Sunday. Pray on a Sunday because we're called to gather as brothers and sisters, as family. But if that is the only thing you're doing, you don't know God as well as you could. And if you're struggling to trust God, it's because your only, your only knowledge of him is on a Sunday morning context. You know that some of the most amazing moments that I've experienced personally in prayer have not been in a church building. I've been in the twos and threes around people where, where I've laid hands on someone and seen them healed. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And, and literally, like, my trust grows in the Lord because I can then say, actually, you're a God who does that. Did he do it on a Sunday morning? No, he did it somewhere else. It wasn't even at a festival. It was in someone's lounge. <laughs> if our experience of God is only in church, only at the festivals, only in those moments. You only have a small glimpse. So you're going to struggle to trust the Lord because your experience of him is only in those contexts. You know how many people I've had come to me and ask me for prayer? I'm like, great, yeah, happy to pray. And I'm like, do you want to share it on the prayer chain? No, 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 no. Just you, Adrian, just you pray. Why just me? Oh, because you're the pastor. So like you have like a connection, right? No. But, but, but there's this thing, it's okay for me to pray in. It's okay for me to stand because, because their experience, their, their moment of connecting and, 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 and trusting in the Lord is, well, when the pastor preaches, when the pastor prays, the prayer is heard. But when I pray, it's not. Where? Where in the Bible does it say just take it to just the pastor? Only the pastor can pray. Only No. There's the priesthood of all believers. You believe in Jesus. His spirit fills you. You are anointed to go and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Guess what? Y'all are all preachers. <gasps> oh, no. But do you trust the Lord for it? Now, again, Scripture teaches that there's giftings. Absolutely. Absolutely, there's a gift of a teacher and an evangelist. Absolutely. But Scripture also says that we all have our testimonies, our lives to share. Are you trusting in God so much that even in your pit, you can tell of your story? And are you trusting of God so much that your context is beyond just a Sunday morning that even if you're in the pit, you go, you know what? This pit sucks, but God is good. So pit, come on. This, this pit might last the entirety of the rest of my life, but you know what? I know who I believe in. I know what is yet to come. And what is yet to come is greater than anything I could ever even possibly imagine. So you know what? It sucks. It's painful. I'm crying. Cry with me. Mourn with me. But you know what? My trust is solid and I'm okay to trust in the Lord because I know who he is. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, man, I just came to hear a story and read a bit of scripture. This is too heavy. Preach! <laughs> The Psalms so often are looked at these nice, lovey-dovey scriptures, but man, they're heavy. If we take God's word, if we take God's word seriously, 
Don't take yourself too seriously. I think we, as a church, as a global church, we need to recognize that we as humans got to stop taking ourselves so seriously. Like, there's a whole thing there. That's a whole other sermon for another day or just conversation perhaps. But, But just because I don't take myself seriously doesn't mean I don't take God seriously. God, creator of all, I take seriously. I take his word seriously. So let me ask you, how well do you know God? Do you know him just on our Sundays? Do you know him just at the festivals? Or do you know him every day? Do you know him in every moment? Like when we best know him, when we are best, most dependent on him is when our trust is there. I used to say, and I, I, to be fair, you'll probably still catch me saying it because it's, I think, one of my human flaws. But I used to say that the moment you meet me, I trust you. And you've got my trust until you've broken it. <laughs> And then you have to build it back up. And in, in, in my humanity, I think that's been a good thing for me most of the time, except for I've gotten burned a lot because I've trusted people and they've let me down and it's hurt and it's been painful. But the more I learn about trust, the more I, 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 I understand what trust actually is, I can't just go, I just met you today, so here you go. All my trust is yours. Because actually, I don't even know what it means to trust you because I don't know you. And, and you don't know what it means to trust me because you don't know me. The only way we, as people, can build trust with one another is to spend time together, to get to know each other, right? Like that, and that is the reason why you have some friends that are closer to you than others. The reason there are some people in this world that know everything about you, because you trust them, because you've journeyed with them. Why do we think that trusting God is any different in how to build that trust than how it is with us? to build trust in God. We need to get to spend time with him. We need to get to know him. So how well do you know God? Because as we get to know God, then we also recognize that actually we need to keep talking about God's goodness. And talking about God's goodness is for us as well as as it is for others. One of the reasons I was so excited when I felt God say, hey, you're gonna do Psalms and stories is <laughs> because actually hearing each other's stories, journeys of what God has done in our lives is going to encourage us and is going to draw us closer to him and is going to remind us of how good God is and is going to ultimately land us in a position of trusting God more because you know what? I can see that desperate situation that I'm in right now. Somebody else is either also in or has journeyed out of. How awesome is our God? Great, amazing. We're going to preach it. We're going to talk it. But the truth is, that isn't just my story to tell. That's our story to tell. Verse 6, it says, Sacrifice uh, uh, and, and burnt offerings you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then he said, Then I said, Here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I proclaim your goodness, what you've done in the assembly. I proclaim what you've done in my life to my family, to my friendship networks, to my colleagues at work. I will talk about the goodness of God because he is awesome. Why don't we talk about it? Why don't you talk about it? Why don't we share how good God is. 
oh, but, but Adrian, I, I get tongue-tied. I'm not a speaker, and I, I, get, I, get, I get shy. I, I don't, I don't, I, I look at somebody, and I get, I get, I get, I get <laughs> but you're not alone. Every Sunday when I stand up here, I get nervous. Every Sunday, I pray, Lord, would you give me strength? Would you give me courage? Would you give me the words? Every conversation I have with someone, especially the one-on-one conversations, I am, I am so nervous, y'all. Like, I do coffee with people, and I'm like, oh. Like, you ever, you ever feel so nervous that, like, everything tenses up? Like, you're like, oh. That's how I feel. Because when I sit down with a coffee with people, most people, unfortunately, aren't doing a coffee with me like they do with everybody else. They're not just sharing life. They're doing it with the pastor, who's the, oh connector of every so they're expecting that i want to speak something say something and everything will be fine that is what people when they meet with me sometimes expect and i literally show up and i go lord i got nothing i got nothing but me so lord use me whatever it is and sometimes i sit down with someone and i offer something that i'm like i don't know if this makes sense but no nah. And the Lord goes, exactly what I needed you to say, you said. And the person meets with God and encounters. And then there's other times that I go, so I think about this and and the person goes, nope, not at all. Okay, sorry. It's all right. God's still good though. And he still loves you and he still has a plan for you and he still has a, I don't know it, I don't understand it all, but, but I know he's got you. Every time, We get nervous. And you know why we get nervous? Because we take God seriously. If you didn't get nervous, if you didn't feel that, oh, rumbling, I question whether or not it's from God. Because because when it's God speaking, like it's it's God, like there's just no words. Creator of the universe, like the, the, the God who literally knows everything about you, like the things that you don't even think you know, the things that you don't even think you've told anybody, that like, how could he possibly know? He knows. He, he knows how many stars are in the sky. He knows everything. Even those things that like the scientists are like, oh, we don't quite know what's out there. He does. Because he made it and he put it out there. You know, for years, I found this one of the most ironic things. For years, scientists said there were parts of the ocean that were too dark, too cold for anything to live in. And then suddenly, they've had to recant that and go, whoopsie, got it wrong. Some things can live there. What I've loved about that, God knew. The entire time, science was like, oh, no, it's too cold. God was like, ha, ha, laughs on y'all, because there's something living there right now. Because he knows we need to talk about the things that he's done in our lives. You all have a story. You all have a journey. The band can come up. There is hope. He's coming to a close. Thank you, Lord. We need to be talking about God's goodness. And that's not just from the front on a Sunday. That's when you take your friends to the coffee. That's when you're at work, across a desk, typing away. 
That, that's, that's when you're like super in the middle of it and you're, you're like surrounded by it, but you're waiting patiently because you're like, God, God, I got this. I'm growing, I'm growing up, Lord. I'm growing by your spirit. So I can wait patiently. And as I'm waiting patiently and everyone around me is going, how are you even surviving the rubbish that you're going through? I can turn around and say, because my God is good. Because my God is awesome. Let me tell you about how good my God is. Oh, I don't believe in that stuff. Okay, that's fine, but you asked me the question. So let me tell you why I am the way I am. We have goodness of God to share. And the thing is that when we gather on a Sunday, it should be like an overflow. It should be like, hey, can I, can I tell you about what happened this weekend? Like sharing stories should be happening every moment. Like while you guys are getting together before the service starts, there should be like a hubbub of like, oh, let me tell you. Look, like, so this Sunday, the last Sunday we did, and then I went, and then I got, oh, oh my goodness. Did you know that this is, oh, wow, how awesome is God? And after service, our coffee shouldn't be like, oh, weather, it's uh, pretty rubbish, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's really rainy. It shouldn't be about that. It should be like, can I tell you? Can I tell you how awesome God is? You know what? Life is really rubbish right now. Could you pray with me right now? Because, because I know our God is good. Because I trust in our God. But I'm in it right now. Like, that is what we should be going for and talking about. And some of y'all are going, that's too personal, Adrian. But we've got a personal God who calls us into personal relationships with one another. Ooh. Almost... Almost. So even in the silence, perhaps, of you not hearing the prayer, of you not hearing your answered prayer, because you're in the middle of it, even in the silence of you going, where are you, God? You can build your trust in him as you spend time with him. You can trust that he will answer, perhaps not in your timing, but you can wait patiently and trust in him. And one of the ways you build that trust is by hearing what God is doing in the lives of others and you sharing what God is doing in your life. So then the question then becomes, do we want to share God's goodness? Do we want to trust him more? Because if we do, there's nothing stopping us but us. (laughs) There's nothing stopping you from pushing into God more than you. Oh, but work. Oh, but the enemy. Oh, but no, 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 no. Those things will try and stop you. There's nothing stopping you but you. Let's pray.